Heavenly Father, we pray that we would hear you speak to us today. That we would hear uh, what it is you would say to us. We pray that you would still our hearts and open our ears to you and to your Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we're getting into the time of year when uh, people are either planning their holidays uh, or else they've already gone on them. And I can see, obviously, that you're not away on your holidays yet. There's something in the village on Wednesday that's quite important. Uh, And so you're probably going to wait until after then uh, before you go. But the the kids are off school. Uh, The 12th fortnight has arrived. And so... Uh, you're probably setting off on holiday uh, very soon. Maybe you're counting down the days. You just can't wait until you head off somewhere else. You're very excited to be going uh, on holiday and you're maybe even telling everyone where you're going uh, and what a great price you paid uh, for your holiday. If you've got a bargain, uh, people love to share that, don't they? Now I realise that this might be a strange question uh, to be asking a congregation of mostly orange men. And maybe as you answer, you don't want to put your hand up uh, or you don't want to nod. Maybe you can just wag your eyebrows at me or wink or something. Um, But here's the question. Have you ever been to Rome? Some people have. Very good. You can tell me afterwards how good it is and what to go and visit. Uh, Well, the reason I ask is because in our second Bible reading today, which you can find on page 1128 in the Pew Bibles, Paul is a wee bit obsessed about travelling to Rome. He goes on and on and on about it in our reading today. I wonder, did you notice that when Jim was reading to us? You see, in the Pew Bible, uh, the Bible publishers have added in a little section heading above verse 8. It says, Paul's longing to visit Rome. In verse 10, it says, I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened. Or again in verse 13, I planned many times to come to you, to come to Rome. So Paul has been wanting to visit Rome for a long time. He's been frustrated by changed travel plans many times before. But now at last he's on his way. The question is though, why does he want to visit Rome? Is it for a decently priced city break? Does he want to visit the touristy sites, the Colosseum, the Trevi Fountain, the Vatican. Well, the Vatican didn't exist, obviously, at this time, so he can't go there. Uh, But no, he's not interested in being a tourist. So why does Paul want to go to Rome? Well, he tells us in the passage. He's writing a letter uh, to the Christians in Rome. 
And he says that he longs to see them, to meet up with them, so that they can be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. When they eventually meet up, they'll be able to encourage each other because of their faith, telling stories of how God has answered their prayers, sharing how they've been given grace to endure. Being together with other Christians is a good thing to do. It's one of the reasons why we meet together on Sundays as the church family, wherever your church family might be. But the other reason and the main reason why Paul wants to go to Rome is to preach the gospel in Rome. He wants to have a harvest, verse 13. People becoming Christians for the first time. But it's also because he owes it to people to share the gospel. If someone gives you a tenor, but it's not for yourself, it's for someone else. And they say it's for someone else and then you hold on to it yourself. Well, you need to pass that on because it's been given to you for them. And in the same way, Paul has been given this good news And so he needs to pass it on to others because they need to hear it as well. So Paul is going to Rome. He wants to share the gospel there. But in verse 16, he says something that seems a bit out of place, something a wee bit strange. And you think, well, why does he need to say that? He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. So why does Paul say this? Or rather, why does he feel he has to say this? Well, I wonder if you've ever been ashamed of something. Ever been ashamed of someone connected to you? What does it feel like? You don't want to be associated with them or identified with them. Well, maybe this helps us to see why Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel. It must be that some people in Rome, people who were at receiving this letter and reading this letter, that they were ashamed of the gospel. Perhaps these Christians in Rome were under pressure from their friends. People who were saying to them, you don't really believe all that stuff about Jesus, do you? Maybe over their tea break at work, they were feeling the heat. You don't really think there's just one God rather than all the gods and goddesses that we worship in Rome. That's not very tolerant of you to claim that there's just one way to God. Perhaps there's the same pressure for us today. Just think uh, a few weeks ago uh, to the treatment of the Lib Dem leader Tim Farron on whether he thought gay sex was sinful or not. Or the way that people from Northern Ireland have been ridiculed by the mainland media in the past few weeks for maintaining a Christian stance on abortion. Could we become ashamed of the gospel? 
feel the pressure to tone it down, to fit in and be accepted. Paul felt those same pressures. By the time he's writing this letter, he's already been in prison several times. He's about to be arrested again and brought to Rome in the back of a prison van. Maybe people were saying to him, Paul, do you really have to be so committed? Maybe if you moderated your message, you might get on with people better. You wouldn't get into trouble so many times. But Paul declares, I am not ashamed of the gospel. As he does that, he challenges the Roman Christians and he challenges us, you and me, to echo his words. I wonder, can you say with him, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. To help you do that, to help you say that, let's look at why Paul says it. What the gospel is. And then what the gospel does. So what is the gospel? Gospel is a kind of churchy word, isn't it? You hear it all the time in church. But what does it actually mean? Well, in order to be clear from the very start of his letter, Paul outlines the gospel as he introduces himself in the opening verses. Now, the whole letter is a fuller statement of the good news. But even in the first verse, Paul gets to the gospel of God. This isn't just a fairy story. It isn't something made up to make us feel good now, to give us something to do on a Sunday. It's not, as Marx claimed, the opiate of the people designed to keep the poor people happy with the hope of heaven until they die. And realise that it's all just made up. No, the gospel is God's gospel. His good news given to us. This good news didn't just appear in the first century. It doesn't start with the birth of Mary's baby in Bethlehem. The gospel was promised beforehand by God. Through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, verse 2. The Old Testament was laying the foundation for what would come later. Just as you need to build the foundation before you build your house. (coughs) Furthermore, the gospel is all about a person. Verse 3. The gospel regarding his son. Who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. By his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. The gospel is the good news about Jesus. The God man who is the son of David and the son of God. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross and he was raised to new life. This is the good news. That Jesus has defeated death 
that he lives forevermore. That Jesus has taken away our sins because he died for them. And he has been raised to new life. You see, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then there is no good news. There's no gospel. We would be wasting our time here. But this is the gospel, that Jesus died and Jesus lives. So why does Paul hold fast to this gospel? Why is he not ashamed of the gospel? Well, he tells us the reason in verse 16. Here's what the gospel does. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. This message about Jesus is the power of God for the saving of everyone who believes. You see, without Jesus, we are in danger. We are lost. We need to be rescued. We stand under judgment by a holy God who cannot tolerate our sin. And yet so often we don't realise it. We drift along, unaware of the danger, like you know, someone lying on a blow-up sun lounger being carried closer and closer to a huge waterfall. We go through life unaware of our danger. We need a rescuer. You almost didn't have me as your preacher this afternoon. Whenever I was about nine or ten, I almost drowned at the bottom of the Shankill Leisure Centre pool. Uh, the, our youth club had went uh, to the pool and the wave machine was on, uh, but I can't swim. And I was out too far and I was down too far as well. Um, the lifeguards didn't see me. The other people in the pool just thought I was playing about. And I went down and down and down. But then my hero sprang into action. One of our youth leaders, uh, Tommy, who spotted me, grabbed me by the hair and pulled me up out of the water. I needed a rescuer that day. I, I was seriously in trouble that day. And we all need a rescuer, someone to bring us to safety. And that's what Jesus has done. He came into this world, he took on our flesh, he bore the burden of our sins, and he gave his life so that we might live. The rescue has been accomplished. The victory has already been won. The good news is being told. And all you have to do is trust in the Lord. To believe the good news proclamation. 
As Paul says, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Everyone, anyone who believes will be saved. You see, it's not about bringing a a big long list of reasons why you're good enough for God to save you. You see, to, to trust in ourselves, to trust in our good works or our church attendance or praying or our giving to charity or our paying into church or our membership of the orange order, whatever it might be, to trust in ourselves and what we have achieved is to say to God that Jesus actually isn't enough. That we can do it by ourselves. Thank you very much. That really Jesus didn't need to die. But there is only salvation in Jesus. Without the gospel, we are lost. Both now and for eternity. No matter how good or how decent we might think we are. A German monk struggled to be good enough to please God. He could never be satisfied that he had done enough. Enough praying, enough confessing. The demands of God's law weighed down heavily upon him with no relief whatsoever. He even grew to hate the God he tried to serve. But then that monk had to study Romans to teach other people in a class. And in chapter 1 and verse 17, he found the key which changed his whole life. The truth which would lead him, starting the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago this October. The righteous will live by faith. Martin Luther came to discover that it's not about what we bring to the table. The good news of the gospel declares the finished work of Christ and asks us, asks you, do you believe this? Because it is by faith alone That we trust the promise. And by faith alone we receive eternal life. This is why Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. It is God's gospel from start to finish. It's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. And it is the power of God for salvation for anyone who will believe. Perhaps today as we focus on the gospel and as you hear of the gospel, you realize that actually you never really believed the message before. You've heard it many, many times, but you've never received it for yourself. 
You can trust in Christ today for the first time, right where you're sitting right now. Take hold of the promises. Look to Christ and discover all that he has done for you. Believe on him today. And then tell someone about it. Tell me as you go out. Tell uh, your own minister, whoever that might be. But tell someone if you're trusting in Christ for the first time. But maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. You've, you've been around a few corners and you know how life works. You know that it's far easier to keep your faith private. No one else needs to know about it. In fact, no one else could guess that you're a Christian. Paul challenges you today. As he challenges me today. Are you ashamed of the gospel? As we're reminded of the glories of Christ, the marvellous good news of what he has done, the amazing promise that anyone who believes will be saved, may we know God's power at work in our lives and not be ashamed anymore. Be bold in your faith as you live it out. Count all else as loss compared to knowing Christ. Live in such a way that proclaims to everyone you meet, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And may we all on that last day be joined with the great crowd from every nation and language and tribe and people. All who have received the good news and trusted the Lord Jesus for his glory. Let's pray. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Father, we pray that uh, as we go from here, that we would continue to hear your voice speaking to us. That we would continue to hear that word of challenge. That we would come to believe in you for the first time. That we would come to be more bold as we live out our faith. Lord, we pray that we would uh, hear your voice as it continues to speak. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.